Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars to The Office to cosplay to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing and our first episode for Christmas week. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the films of John Hughes. We probably won't get to every single film, of course, because he has a long catalog, a big catalog of films. We're going to get to different varying aspects, his comedies, his teen. Of course, we have to cover the way he did teen films, because I think, honestly, that's what he's most known for. But we'll also cover things like um, Christmas Vacation and stuff, since we've got to talk about that since it's Christmas time. And I've got a great panel with me, but before I introduce them, just a quick housekeeping note. Um, as you know, we are now taking listener support for as little as 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month. If you want to support the show, help us get better, better audio equipment, um, and then also help a Black Lives Matter organization in the process, please click on the link in our show notes or go to our anchor page and click listener support. And... I am hopefully going to have more announcements coming in January about some swag stuff, some stuff you can buy with our new It's a Fandom Thing logo on it. So that'll be coming in January. Okay, so let's go around and everybody can introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're excited about in pop culture. Start with you, Jackie. Um, hi, I'm Jackie. Um, I... I'm really excited about the new Taylor Swift album that just came out, Evermore. <laughs> Been streaming it nonstop. Have it. Yeah, I saw you talking about that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And MJ, I saw you raise your hands. Are you excited about that too? Um, no, I just love okay. when people mention music because we're so yes. used to just always talk about shows or movies. So I was like, oh, cool, something un not out of the mold of the usual fandom topic so that's pretty cool yeah I agree I always get excited when music gets bring, brought up too because as I've said before that's like my first love so I really love that um, and then MJ oh um yeah I'm happy and sad at the same time because um so yeah I'm MJ I've been on the podcast a couple times uh twice for Star Wars and that's what I'm currently excited about the Mandalorian uh, 
season finale from the second season was pretty epic. I'm not going to mention any spoilers because it just came out. Um, I'm sad now because it's going to be months until we get more, but also pretty excited about all the announcements about new um, Star Wars content at Disney+. Plus. So happy uh, fandom heart at the moment. Yeah, and it, we've, it's been a couple episodes since we had The Mandalorian mentioned, I believe, but I had but I had predicted that it would be mentioned like on almost every single episode by one person. So <laughs> I'm happy it got mentioned again. And of course, like I said, I don't have Disney Plus and I haven't watched it, so I'm going to go hide. But <laughs> at some point, I'm just going to have to have you come over and we'll do a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> Only 16 episodes, so it's yeah. doable. Yeah. And then Sasha? Yep, I'm Sasha. I, I don't know. I've been here a bunch of times now. Um, people are going to get sick of me. I'm going to have to take a break so they don't have to listen to me. Um, what am I doing right now? I have been going through some movies on Shudder. I know it's Christmas, but I've been watching, like, I watched Lost Boys. Um, I couldn't get in for the Shutter, the little festival thing that they were doing. For some reason, I just, it everything went horribly wrong. So I just watched The Lost Boys because, well, I could. Um, but I did see they have a bunch of kind of Christmas-themed movies on there. So there's the Shutter plug for you. I'll do that. Um. <laughs> sponsorship, sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should watch uh, Better Watch Out. Okay. Yeah, because it starts out. What? Is that a Christmas-themed uh, horror movie? Yes. And yeah. it starts out as one thing and leads to another. And it cleverly um, uh, instills some uh, Home Alone stuff in there, actually. So um, <laughs> I recommend that one. It's very, 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 very bloody and gory. So, And I know you're fine with that, Sasha, but just let everybody know. Yep, okay. I wrote it down on my little notes. <laughs> And this is Aaron, and Sasha's plug made me decide which one I'm going to do on this episode, because I was going to do a Shudder one, too, but I'm going to save that for the Romantic Count Comedies episode, because <laughs> nothing goes better with Romantic Comedies than horror. So, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm excited about right now, okay, so this is kind of embarrassing, <laughs> But I decided just out of the blue for some reason, because it was recommended on Netflix, to watch America's Next Top Model. And yes, pure trash, pure <laughs> trash, pure trash feeds into all of the stuff of like, you know, hating your body and all that kind of stuff. So it's really not probably positive <laughs> thing, um, but it's been fun to watch it. So that's what I'm that's that's what I'm into. And then I'll also just breaking my rule. I'll recommend something more seriously is um, the Netflix movie, The Prom, which is a musical, is so much fun. It's just so much fun. And Meryl Streep is so good in it. Um, and it's just hysterical. If you love Broadway musicals and you're missing that, I definitely recommend watching that one. So even though I mean, it does have a little bit of that Ryan Murphy thing to it, but it's really, really good. So. Okay, so let's get into John Hughes movies, um, which I just, I am so excited about this one. I'm a huge John Hughes person. This kind of shaped a lot of my childhood and early teens. So, yep. So we're going to talk about his teen movies first off. And this wasn't 
on my outline. So I'm going to surprise my panelists with this. But I want to know, because we did a poll, I'll give our results here. We did a poll asking what your favorite John Hughes teen movie was. And I only gave four choices, which there are others. But I gave 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, The Breakfast Club, and Ferris Bueller's Day Day Off, which... One person said on our Facebook post about it said, hmm, I never thought of Ferris Bueller's Day Off as a teen movie, which I guess I can kind of see because it doesn't really fit in necessarily to his other teen movies, maybe. Um, but on our Facebook page, I would Breakfast Club one, but on our Twitter poll, Ferris Bueller's Day Off one. So it's kind of a mixed bag there. So I just want to know, first off, before we get into like Molly Ringwald and everything like that, which one, and it doesn't have to be one of those four, but which one is your favorite, Jackie? Some Kind of Wonderful is my favorite. Um, It's like in my top like five all-time movies. Yeah, yeah, I I love that one too. And I like I was telling you on, on Facebook, I almost put that in the poll, but... I was like, oh, that's not as popular, so, I, so that's why I substituted it. But it's cool to see someone say that one because I really think that one gets lost in the shuffle. And if people didn't know, that was the movie that John Hughes made as kind of a rebuttal to what happened with Pretty in Pink. Because originally she was she was supposed to end up with Ducky at the end of Pretty in Pink, but the director didn't like that. And I didn't, I wouldn't like that either, to be honest. <laughs> so they switched it around. So then he did some kind of wonderful and of course you know the the person who's been in love with him gets the guy at the end of it so yeah that's why he kind of switched it around there and then mj um i'm gonna go off script (laughs) i don't think it's technically seen as a teen movie but there's a big teenager kind of storyline in there and i just really like the movie and i'm just gonna say uncle buck um (laughs) I really think that's funny and that looks at the teenager experience from like a different angle. And it's a lot of, I mean, he always does that. It's very relationship and character centered. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he loved working with John Candy. So that's, that's an awesome, that's an awesome pick too. Yeah. And it's good to hear these other ones that aren't like the typical ones you hear. Mine will be typical, but still Sasha. Mine's typical too. And it's the breakfast club. Just for the simple fact that it's like the quintessential kind of teen movie. And um, in a true confession in high school, I ended up almost getting, well, I, I ultimately ended up dropping out of high school, but I almost got kicked out of high school at one point And they put me in a program that they referred to as like the breakfast club kids. Cause we were like the misfits that were here, we're going to throw credit recovery at you. We're going to try and keep you engaged. We're going to do everything we can to make you not drop out. And it didn't really work, but they they referred to us as the Breakfast Club. And so that one is just, it's, I don't know. I love that one. Yeah, that's my favorite too. That's in my top movies of all time list. Um, I just adore that movie. Um, And it's, you know, I always, we used to always make fun of how the fact that when it would be, on um, TV and they'd have to blurt out some of like the curse words and stuff and how funny it'd be like damn you dad or I don't remember what they would put in there but it just would always be really funny and I had a huge crush on Judd Judd Nelson 
um, because his character, even though there are major issues with that character, honestly, with some of the stuff he does, um, especially yeah. to to Claire. Um, but I had a huge crush on him because that was the kind of guy that I would fall for. And yeah, I just, I mean, it's just such a great, great movie. And I, it just a little trivia here, in case you didn't know, at the end when Judd Nelson raises his fist, that was total improv. So I just think that's really cool. Although I did read this whole thing about him um, and how and how he was making that movie. And he sounds like he was a bit of a douchebag. But, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how But I still is. love him. Yep. I still love him in that movie. And I even love him in St. Elmo's Fire. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I just, he was, yeah, he was everything. And I loved their, you know, their, that, that was one of my ships, you know, was his character and Claire. I loved them together. And um, yeah. So yeah, everything about that movie to me is perfection. So yep, definitely. And of course in that movie uh, was Molly Ringwald. And as everybody knows, Molly Ringwald um, was a bit of a muse for John Hughes. I would say, Um, of course she started out in 16 candles. um, And of course she was in pretty in pink and the breakfast club and she was known as sort of his darling i would say um and i absolutely adored molly ringwald for most of my young life um so what do you think about all the different the collaboration with molly ringwald and john hughes jackie um i mean i love molly ringwald i would say also just in general i really like when creators keep using the same actors like I think that's really special um and it I don't know it just kind of like it's just like a special bond that like you start to feel with these movies that come out um and they definitely would not have been the same without her I agree and I think he had a couple like I said John Candy was another one that he collaborated with too and from everything I've heard he was a really amazing man and a really great person to work with. Um, and so I, so I think that's also why he kept having the same people because I think, you know, I don't think a lot of the people would have come back if he was like a, ta- a tyrant or something. So I think it also says a lot about him. And then MJ. Um, yeah, I adore her. I find her funny and queer, quirky to watch. She has like such an expressive way of acting and you can just forgive her for being an obnoxious teenager, which is really hard, like acting and being a teenager and representing that and um, being still likable is is a tough, um, tough role. So kudos to her for really doing a great job. And I think something that shines through is that... Um, I'm not sure how far it went through the collaboration, but I feel like he somehow modeled the role after her a little bit. So I think there, there, um, you have an idea about a character that you want to show or that you want to write about, but then if you have a muse or a, a great actor, you can kind of bounce off of that and, and it grows into something maybe a little bit more real or maybe a little bit more um, solid versus your initial idea. I mean, he's a man. He's not He's not a Gen Xer. He's writing about teenagers and he's writing about a female teenager. So I think that's quite a big challenge. So having having somebody to um, 
to kind of build around and form that like trust trusting relationship across multiple movies i'm sure that helped a lot to to keep it real and relatable and yeah true to i guess the teenage experience of gen x i'm not a gen xer so <laughs> i don't know how um relatable it was for the generation but i think that's what i hear a lot that a lot of people were quite um impressed that those were the first movies that truly captured that that idea of how it's how it is a teenager in the 80s so i think uh kind of a match made in heaven there for those movies yeah yeah and i and i do agree i think that he did model a lot of the characters around her and you can kind of see the characters growing so it's almost like her growing as well yeah and sasha as a gen x person i will confirm that it nails it um <laughs> but i do agree with what mj said about like I mean, Molly Ringwald is very kind of quirky and, you know, she's just not the typical, or at least in movies, she's never been like the kind of typical girl. She's always had a little something extra, um, you know, in 16 Candles and Pretty in Pink, she was kind of a little like less aware of, you know, what was going on and more naive, maybe less aware is the wrong way to say it. She had that naivety about her. Um, and that sense of innocence. And even in The Breakfast Club, she had that too. Um, her character was a little more snobby, I think, in The Breakfast Club. But I do think that um, a lot of her characters were just her almost being her. Not to say that she's not a great actress, because she is. But it's like, oh, you want me to be an American teenager? That's me. Here we go. This is me. Um, and I, you know... I think that it's beautiful the way that he used her and incorporated those elements of who she was. Um, Cause it doesn't feel like he forced her into this character type. Like this is how I think a teenage girl is. It was like, okay, you're just do you is really how it felt. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I'm also a Gen Xer. Um, and yeah, I, it was, it was like, she was my idol for years. I wanted to be Molly Ringwald. Um, that's who I wanted to be when I got into high school because, you know, some of these movies came out more when I was in like middle school and late elementary, but I still wanted to be her. I wa That's what I pictured high school to actually end up being like. And I thought I would have a lot of the cool stuff that happened to her. I know she would go through hardships and stuff but still I wanted to be her and I also think it was also that quirkiness um it also was probably why for I mean I used to either bleach my hair blonde or then I used to dye my hair red all the time I'm like more of a burgundy color and that could be why I don't know um and also I just think Molly Ringwald in general you know she's not a typical Hollywood person you know she left Hollywood she's um I mean, as far as like left, I th think she still, I don't know if she still lives in Paris, but I know she married someone from there. And, you know, so she's just not, she doesn't, even though she was part of the Brat Pack, which some someday we'll have to talk about the Brat Pack, um, even though she was part of that, I don't know, she seemed like the more stable person in that group of people, of actors. Um, and I think that also appealed to me about her. And I will say, even though The Breakfast Club is my favorite of, um, the teen movies her character in Pretty in Pink is my favorite 
character of hers. I love Andy. I just, I just adore her. And the record shop she would work at was so similar to a record shop that we used to go to. And I just, I, that's what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to work in a place like that. (laughs) And it was just so awesome. And, you know, and I want to meet um, you know, I want to meet, and I actually kind of liked Andrew McCarthy then, but you know, I was just like, she was just so cool. And I loved the way she dressed in pretty and pink. And I was just like, I want to dress like that. And I remember vividly when I first saw it, because it was on Easter and I was, I was young and, um, we got to go see that. And I just remember that vividly being able to see that. And the music was awesome. And, I mean, just everything about that movie was great, too. So I just want to make sure to give a little bit more of a shout out to that one, because that's definitely my second favorite, I would say. And then probably some kind of wonderful after that one. So, yeah, she's she's awesome. And I do think he really captures being a teenager better than a lot of people do. And I think it's probably, I don't know, relatable to every generation of teens. And I think that's why his movies still last. So I want to talk about that, about capturing... um, the truth about being a teen. Um, what do you think about that, Jackie? Um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty real. Um, he has so many different characters. Um, so there's like someone kind of for everyone to relate to, um, especially in the breakfast club. I feel like that covers so many uh, things. <laughs> I know that you are younger than, say, me. <laughs> and, and Sasha's pointing to herself. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious. Did you start watching his movies when you were a teen? And did they speak to you as a teen, even though this was in the 80s? Um, yeah, I started watching some of them when I was pretty young. Like, I remember them through most of my life. And then when I was a teenager, that's when I watched, like, watched more than just, like, The Breakfast Club. I watched Pretty in Pink all the time. I watched Some Kind of Wonderful all the time, St. Almost Fire. Um, and, yeah, I just, there's something about those movies. Um, also, just some different, like, 80s movies in general that, like, there's just this vibe about them. I always say that it's, like, comfort food for your soul um and that really draws you in and it would definitely be like the authenticity of it yeah that's a great great way to put it I love that comfort food for your soul because I think that's that's true so yeah and then MJ so I have an advantage and a disadvantage um because I I grew up in in not America. So for me, um, I'm not the generation. So I'm, I'm a millennial, one of those uh, horrible millennials. And um, I grew up in, in Germany. So a lot of the cultural references are what first kind of introduced me to American culture. Um, we don't have the typical high school experience. Our school system is very different. We don't have that focus on sports, so there's not really jocks at school, <laughs> no varsity jackets. So a lot of the um, the struggles were um, not what I experienced in my life. However, what I think really, really makes the difference in those movies, it's 
it's not the specific experiences, it's the emotions and the relationships that really connect you with with the characters and with the movie. So even though my culture was different, my generation was different, I still related and kind of um, the dialogue, the humor, it was so often so on point to uh, what cracked me up or things that I experienced. I mean, just the, the premises were often so simple, not much happened, um, not very plot heavy. So big focus on the characters, what they emotionally experienced, what they went through, and simple premises like sixteen candles. My family forgot my birthday. I mean, everybody can relate to how crappy that would make you feel, or unsure about your love life, unsure about your place in the world, not not knowing where you're going, um, having that kind of that drive to to figure things out for yourself is um, pretty universal. So well done, I think, on him and. A lot of it aged terribly. <laughs> a lot of references aged terribly. But I think the emotions, um, they they stuck. And the teenagers still go through those. So, um, yeah, I have to say that that's kind of what what makes makes me connect to them, even though I'm a different generation and grew up in a different culture. Yeah, no, see, I think that's, I think it's great. I love that. I love that I have these three panelists on here because it's different generations and then also someone from a different country who grew up in a different country. So offering different viewpoints on that is really, I think, really cool and awesome. Um, and Sasha. And I'm going to fight MJ on this of, I think they aged beautifully because they are a time capsule for the eighties. Um, they may not really have aged that gracefully but i mean they are they are near and dear to my heart so i will take them with all their flaws all of their which i know we'll get into next and all of their tropes i will take all of it because it that's what it was that's how it was um so i do think again like i already said i mean the breakfast club was you know my high school experience. I think I dated all the John Benders in high school. Um, to be honest, I dated a bunch of John Benders after high school. I, that was, that was my type. I was going for the John Benders, you know, what if your weed was on fire? It's impossible. It's in Brian's pants. Like, of course it is. Where else are you going to keep your weed? Shove it in somebody else's pants. I mean, it's just, it's iconic. It's, in my soul it is it's comfort food for the soul like if i'm having a bleh day john hughes movie i'm good i'm totally good they just it's like coming home they just have a, a soft spot so i do feel like they um especially as a gen x i mean it that was life um that's what it looked like that's what it was and an american gen x kid in high school you know, there were jocks and there were stoners and there were preppies and the weirdos and like the entire letter of, you know, the Breakfast Club. Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was a little bit wackier because, you know, I, who's going to steal a Porsche? <laughs> you mean no dancing in the streets on a big parade for, <laughs> you know, not not so much. Not so um, much but that was epic. I have to say that was great. That was like one of my favorite scenes that and when they're at the restaurant and he who is he he's like the sausage king of Chicago or whatever. 
that whole scene cracked me up. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's like coming home. Yeah, I, I like that. And I, I will say, um, and I know it's unpopular, I don't like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I think the reason I don't like it is because it's not like the other ones. And it feels that wackiness, and that doesn't fit to me. I mean, I guess Weird Science was oh, wacky. Yeah. Um, and, you know, talk about issues with that movie. Oh, but, um, <laughs> so that one was wacky, too. But um, I think... issues, Aaron? You don't want to build a woman? <laughs> um, but I think why his teen movies are so good for, for the most part is because he treats teenagers like human beings. And instead of treating them like they don't matter or like what they're going through is frivolous because, oh, you're going to grow up and it's not going to matter. He treats them like human beings. And I think that's why his movies are so good because he respects the characters, even the characters that you may not respect right away, like the John Benders and stuff. I mean, you may at, um, on the outside be like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's a douche or he's a jerk. Or, you know, if you don't like the jocks, like I was never really friends with like the jocks and the quote unquote popular kids, um, you know, but he still humanizes every character. Even if the character is the villain or the bad guy, he still can sometimes find a way to at least imbue a little bit of humanity in them even if they are douches through the whole entire movie he still can do that um and i will say you know i i went to high school in the 90s so i was more of a um in middle school and and um, elementary school in the 80s but i will say the 90s early 90s was exactly the same way as the 80s in high school and i actually was very lucky and fortunate that after my first year in high school um, I ended up going to a school that was a private school, but it was all art focused and was very small. And you had people that wouldn't maybe have hung out in a regular high school hanging out together. And you had it where it was kind of like if John Hughes opened up a high school, I will say, because it was like you had smaller classrooms, the teachers um, all were, you called the teacher by their first name. Um, we would have couches in classrooms. We had a whole class that was all basically like counseling. <laughs> so it was like this, it was this very, um, different kind of way to go to high school. And while it may not have prepared for certain things, um, as well, like it wasn't as focused on, I mean, it was academics and of course you had to, you know, but it still was more focused on being able to embrace who you were, especially if you were different. And most of the people there were very different and weird. And I know I'm kind of, it sounds like I'm going on a tangent, but I don't think I am because it kind of felt like I was fortunate enough to grow up and be in a high school that even though I had a really hard time, um, it still felt like I had more of a nurturing thing. And I think that's why I was able to graduate high school. I think that's why I was able to actually live past my teenage years, honestly, is because of that high school experience. So it was almost like having a John Hughes high school experience of like, instead of like, you know, of being embraced by John Hughes and saying, you know, it's okay. And my high school, my first love was very much John Bender, except for he was, um, he was goth and a little bit more 
even more weirder and out there and stuff. And, and I mean, I would never have never recommend now to ever date that person, but, <laughs> but then it was awesome. <laughs> the smell of leather jackets still get me, uh, <laughs> because of that. That's one of those smells that I'm like, oh, <laughs> yep. But even though his movies were great, there were some harmful tropes within these. There were some sexism issues and, of course, racism issues, especially 16 Candles. Um, So I want to talk about that because even though we love them, I think it's I think it is important to call this stuff out and bring it to attention. I mean, I don't know if everybody's aware, but Molly Ringwald wrote a whole article about this when she was rewatching Breakfast Club and showing it to her kids and seeing some of the harm in in the movie, even though she still loves John and all that stuff. So what do you think about that, Jackie? Um, well, obviously, all of the. uh... Asian stuff in 16 Candles is really not good. Um, But I'm going to talk about more of the sexism in The Breakfast Club. Um, Which is, it's not okay. Like, I'm talking about, like, Bender talking about, like, Claire, like that whole thing where they're like bullying her about whether she's a virgin or a slut like that really gets me but that is really how teenagers are and like it's still like that today it's like you either have to be a prude or a slut um so a lot of the things that are said and done in the movies although it's like super not okay like it's I guess it's just really sad to see that that's really how life has always been and continues to be and it's just an uphill battle of trying to like get people to not act that way again um or still um and I actually see this a lot because I at my work there's like some teenagers and um, like this kid who I refer to as my work son, he says a lot of like very similar stuff and it like infuriates me. And I know that like over time he'll learn that like everything that he used, like that he says now is completely not okay. Um, but I just wish that like he could learn that now and that like throughout the generations, teenagers could stop being so stupid. <laughs> That's all I have to say. (laughs) Yes, that should be a slogan. Teenagers, stop being stupid. (laughs) It's true, though. It's true. (laughs) MJ? Yeah, I think, gosh, now I wish I would have watched some of those more recently and would have actual, actual good examples to nail. But I think something that maybe... Now that we're older and we just have a little bit more experience of the world, that kind of um, comes to mind right away that the diversity level in the movies is is quite low. So um, I think compared to a high school nowadays, you would see a lot more um, diversity if it would be a real movie representing real teenagers. Um, the uh, the casts are usually quite. Um, attractive uh 
white young people. So that's uh, something that hopefully today, if those movies would be filmed today, would be different. Um, and then, yeah, with the, I think there's a there is a tight balance between showing things how they are, and unfortunately, we still live in a sexist and and racist world, and and so cutting that completely out of movies would kind of not be realistic. But there's a difference between um, portraying it in a way that might be a little bit more critical versus um, something that is just glossed over or seen as that's that's just the norm and that's okay. And oh gosh, I'm trying to think of. I think there was one scene where wasn't one of the guys looking under um, Claire's skirt in, in Breakfast Club. And yep, I was just like closed mm-hmm. over, just like, yep, that's just what dudes do, I guess. That's just happening. So um, I think these are the type of like small cultural um, snippets in those movies that are kind of normalizing the unhealthy relationship that teenagers have to sexuality and how different genders interact with each other and what's what's consent where are the lines and how do you not cross them so I wish um yeah I wish if movies like that would be made today that those things would be handled maybe a tiny bit more um um seriously or at least um not shown as this is just the norm and this is just how it's what's happening but yeah I mean it does happen so it's not not showing it also is not fair because again the world is unfortunately not perfect and those things still happen yeah yeah true and Sasha um so based off of what MJ just said I'm gonna go on a little mini tangent and you know if you need to edit me out later you can but those like that you're talking so it was John Bender that was under the desk looking at her underwear and stuff like that but um I think that kind of sexualized and everything. And then like Jackie said, you're either, you know, a prude or a slut and all the slut shaming. Um, I do think that in a current movie, and I know we're talking John Hughes, but I want to bring up a current movie that kind of addressed that was easy a with Emma stone, which kind of remakes the teen movie. um, And it addresses that where, you know, she gets, labeled as a slut or whatever and she's like fine then i'm gonna embrace it and wear the scarlet a and start dressing all crazy and whatever and just goes to the other extreme but it addressed those issues um that a lot of the 80s movies and i think they even referenced some of those movies in there she did a lot because she was looking for like the john hughes and then she was looking for like the say anything and like just those 80s movies were referenced in there so i just want to bring up that they kind of uh more current movie did address some of those issues. Not that it makes any of it better. Um, And yeah, so weird science, like I said, I mean, it's Frankenstein for kids. Hey, we're going to build a woman. We're going to build her out of a Barbie doll, which is realistic proportions for any human. Like, come on. Um, You know, so that whole thing was just kind of funny. Um, And then, yeah, the, I mean, the racism and, 16 candles with our friend and it's just none of it is okay could they have handled it better yes would it have been handled better at that time no it wouldn't have because society as a whole and culture american culture at that time was not 
as aware and kind of trying to fix itself as we are now. So um, I think it just kind of makes it a little different for that. But I just wanted to throw out the easy A connection for everything because I think that fits in. Yeah, definitely. And that fits in with the legacy of John Hughes because, yeah, yeah. And I and I love that movie. And I think I love it because it, it is such a callback to that. Um, and it's call it's playing on those tropes and calling out those tropes. Um, and yeah, it's and it's a very, very rewatchable movie for sure. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, with the 16 Candles thing, you know, I'm going to admit in this this comes with educating yourself and learning um, with the long duck dong character. Um, you know, I know that we would quote, you know, a lot of the quotes from that, we would say it over and over again and not realizing how harmful those tropes are. Um, and so then you get, you get older and you educate yourself and hopefully you educate yourself and you realize that that's racism right there. Extremely racist. Um, but I know we used to, I mean, I admit I used to quote that all the time and laugh at it and think it was funny. And now watching it now, I'm like, oh my God, that's, oof. it's like, you want to hide. Yeah. Yeah. So, and sausage, Sasha, did you want to add something onto that? I just want to say like, yes, it's, it's so cringy now, but I loved that character. Like just who he was and how he was trying to acclimate and fit in. And how all of that happened. I loved just him. Um, but I hate how all of it looks and is now and just all of that. So, and again, it's that growing and trying to be a better human. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, like we've mentioned, we mentioned on our, our Firefly episode and we've mentioned a lot. There's a lot of things, you know, as as white people that I don't think we always notice or know. And I think right now what's really hopefully will start to happen more is people need to educate themselves and see where those prejudices are and see where our white fragility comes in and see where our white privilege comes in and, you know, kind of check ourselves when we feel called out on that and see why did that bother me so much and, you know, just just kind of. Um, you know, check in on that and learn and read and listen, 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 listen. That's the other big thing is, is listening and also not making everybody else do the work for you, but putting in the work. So just throwing that in there. Um, and then with all the sexism, I mean, in 16 Candles, um, you know, I mean, Jake basically puts his drunk girlfriend in the car with the geek and basically says, do whatever you want with her. And it's a it's thought of as funny. And there is. And she ends up with him in the end and it's like rewarded and it's so icky and cringy now. Um, and, you know, I completely that's, forgot about that. That's yeah, horrible. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, in that article, and I should have brought it up, that article that Molly Ringwald wrote, she mentioned that too, because of course she was in that movie as well. Um, and I loved the character Jake was so dreamy and, you know. Um, but that is really troubling. And that was a troubling trend in the eighties In eighties movies was you had a lot of, um, the geek getting the girl and you had a lot of it being, um, where it was a lot of taking away the agency from the woman. And that was a trend. That was a big trend. Um, and another thing with John Hughes 
is I think we often forget, and we're going to talk about Christmas Vacation, but he wrote, you know, National Lamp- Lampoon, all that stuff. That is very, very cringe-inducing stuff if you really look at it. And I've watched all those movies. And I mean, in the in the first National Lampoon, um, and trigger warning here for um, incest stuff, it's basically hinted at that there is some kind of incestuous stuff going on with one of the families they visit or something like that, if I'm remembering correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong. But all this other stuff, too, and that movie had a lot of sexism in it. Um, and I think Christmas Vacation, to an extent, does, too. But that's the thing, I think, that we kind of forget about John Hughes, is that he also wrote that stuff. So it's like, even though he was very sensitive, he also wrote a lot of that kind of <laughs> that kind of stuff. you know. And, of course, in The Breakfast Club, that scene underneath the desk is so bad um and it's bad just because of the way it isn't acknowledged but yet in that movie you still have that the scene where they're all sitting around together and confessing and you know admitting how they finally how they got there and why they were in that and why they were you know why they were sent to that detention and that scene is so beautiful and it's kind of contradictory to that stuff. I don't know. It's just kind of, it's just interesting. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of, lots of issues with a lot of those movies back then. (laughs) It shows us that even like good, good hearted people can be deeply flawed. I mean, I feel like that's also something, and I'm just going to switch it over to Christmas vacation. I feel like that's something that, often shines through with his characters too that generally you're supposed to like them they're technically good people but they're all so flawed and some of them are just in situations where they behave absolutely horribly and yeah like you mentioned the whole national lampoons family dynamic and some weirdness going on with um just awkwardness and really creepy behavior so I think that's that's just yeah unfortunately flawed characters and likely also I mean flawed writers they have beautiful moments where it's really from the heart and really good characteristics shining through and then also some quite bad ickiness and oh my gosh I can't believe the scene that you mentioned with the girlfriend being out out of it and just being passed on to somebody else that's just yeah, yeah. pretty horrendous mm-hmm. pretty, pretty horrendous stuff yeah yeah a lot of that stuff yeah well we're going to move on to some of the more adult fare um, and talk about some of his some other movies um, and we'll go ahead since we already started talking about it we're just going to go ahead and go on to Christmas Vacation and if you want to mention any of the other National Lampoon movies as well <laughs> I say see MJ getting excited yeah this is honestly with all the problems this is one of my favorite Christmas movies ever so <laughs> um, and I can't believe I almost left it off the list I don't know what I was thinking so Jackie do you do you like uh, National Lampoon no <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to be the answer, but <laughs> um, I the humor doesn't hit with me. Um, the Christmas ones, the Christmas one isn't bad. I just I think I've only seen it once or maybe twice. Um, the first vacation one, I was like. <laughs> I don't know. It's just not my humor. But um, I did really like 
the like remake I guess um that came out I I don't know how long ago like six years ago maybe I did enjoy that <laughs> but the rest Vegas of them one? um it had like Christina Applegate in it and um Ed Helms I think oh okay. um I think I know what you're talking about I I remember really laughing at that one. Um, it's not very old, but the rest, like the original ones, um, European Vacation, like I think I've seen them all, but I, like, I don't know, they're not that bad. It's just a lot of, like, everything going wrong and just, like, over and over again. <laughs> I don't know. And there's also, like, so much, like, weird, like, sexism stuff in it, too. I think I might have even just been like a like a smidge too old when I watched it because you know like the things that you watch when you're younger like hold a special place in your heart and I don't think I watched them until like my 20s and I was like it's not for me yeah I can understand I mean it is very crass humor very crass not as much in Christmas Vacation I will say but especially in the first National Lampoon <laughs> definitely and then MJ uh, so I think I watched them all. However, I think I only really like the Christmas Vacation one. Um, that movie will forever have a place in my heart. And I just love everything about it. Lo- I love the physical comedy, the squirrel in the Christmas tree, the cat in in the wrapping, um, the weird jello that somebody wrapped, and just like the whole scene when they're eating this like toughest nailed turkey. It's I, I just love the physical comedy. The scene where the, the grandma sings the national anthem, I think, uh, when when the Santa is, like, blown up because of the chemicals of the Uncle Eddie's weird uh, RV. So I just love all that physical, weird comedy that I, I, I think it's hilarious. And then on top of that, again, he's playing with our emotions. There's, like, the scene where the dad sits up in the attic and he's like freezing to death because somebody closed the door and he's watching all these old Christmas memories and I feel like that's what those movies do with us too. It's about the nostalgia and a different time and remembering and I think yeah that's that's what that character also wants. He wants back to a better time simpler time where the lights were up and the whole family were, were together and you just watch him fail. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, the most quotable movie that's out there. Why is the floor wet, Ted? I don't know, Margot. And I mean, I will, I will quote this until the rest of my life. It's just hilarious. And, and yeah, um, it's funny how you end up still liking some of these characters, even though they're doing very unlikable things. I mean, Clark, this awkward scene with the underwear salesperson in the shopping center it's just so cringy and and but you're still rooting for him in some awkward way and want him to have this great family christmas and everybody be happy so so yeah it's a tight balance between some really cringy cringy um kind of crass humor but then also just in situational comedy and fun fun scenes and relatable situations so yeah and uncle eddie um Shitter's Full is going to be forever my favorite costume. Um, I mean, just find a nice bathrobe and a funny hat and a garden hose or something and you're, you're done. So um, it's a 
it's a pretty uh, pretty good movie with a lot of great quotes. So I don't want to say much about the other ones because I think those are a little bit off for me personally, culture culture wise, and also I just yeah, not that not it doesn't hit my humor as much. I think I just watched them once because of that. But Christmas Vacation every year, and I I love that movie with all the problems it has. And Sasha. Um, I think I'm probably the same, like the other, uh, National Lampoons. I mean, the first one, you know, when they pull up and it's like, sorry, folks, you know, just like you feel the pain and that's kind of, I mean, that's been my entire theme for 2020. Like, sorry, folks, 2020, like everything's closed. You thought you were going to go on vacation. (laughs) You're mistaken. Um, you know, so that one, but. I I don't love them as much as Christmas Vacation. And I don't know if it's because it's a holiday movie. So it's got that like warm, fuzzy holiday feel to it. Not that it's a warm, fuzzy holiday movie, but it ha- it's the holidays, right? Um, and like MJ said, that squirrel scene is probably one of my favorites where everybody's like, what is that noise? What's going on? And they're all looking around and he looks in, squirrel jumps. Oh my God. We just we actually just watched it, I think like last week because we're doing a different Christmas movie, you know, every couple of days, and that one I just I laugh, and you're that empty and the shitter's full. Um, I Target tangent, Target has these little uh, cat scratchy things, and it's a Christmas RV that I got for one of the cats, and he loves it, and has been hanging out in it. But I was joking that he needs the costume. Like, I need to find a little kitty bathrobe and a little earmuff hat for him. He would hate me. But he he loves the RV and he hangs out at it all the time. So it would be perfect. Because um, it would be that costume. So, yeah. Definitely the Christmas vacation is, of all of them, is the best one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll have to do that, though. You'll have to try to do it. Just for a picture. And then take it up. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and I agree. I think the reason Christmas Vacation, I think that appeals to a wider audience because even though there's some crass humor in there, it's not as crass as the other ones. It's kind of toned down a little bit. I mean, you still have the same plot that you see in everyone where Clark sees some woman that he's drooling over. Even though he loves his wife so much, he still drools over another woman in every single one of these. Um, but it's still, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not as crass. It just isn't. Um, and that, you know, I mean, Clark, you know, with all his issues is a character you can relate to as far as like, he wants everything to be perfect for his family. And he just wants to have perfect things go off and everything goes wrong. And the whole scene where he has all the Christmas lights, they're finally all up (laughs) and they're like and they light and nobody sees it and then they come back out and they're off and nobody you know because they keep unplugging and take you know and the lights keep going off and on and then the neighbors who of course famously you know that was one of julia louis dreyfus's first roles playing the neighbor and they're just keep getting blinded and falling down (laughs) you know just little fun little quirky things and of course you know another fun little running theme in all the movies is the fact that the actors that play the kids change all the time and they kind of stay the same age (laughs) when the movies come out so it's kind of a fun little running gag 
Um, but yeah, I agree. I think Christmas Vacation is the best of them, and I have seen all of them except for I don't think I saw Vegas Vacation, but um, and I don't think I saw the re and I didn't see the remake. But yeah, I they're just they're fun, and I can understand why people wouldn't like them. You know, the humor it's definitely definitely <laughs> you know toilet humor <laughs> in a lot of ways. But I do think Christmas Vacation has some heart to it. And um, I think underneath it all, I think the message of that movie, and I think even to an extent the other ones, is how important family can be and how important it can be to be connected to your family. And even though Clark is always lusting after another woman, he really, really loves his wife. I mean, come on, it's Beverly D'Angelo. She's gorgeous. So, you know, I, I just, I, I, I enjoy them and it's one of my favorites and now I want to go watch it. definitely okay um and then of course i've got a couple others on here that are also holiday themed we've got home alone and we've also also got planes trains and automobiles um so these are both i think really well known and then once we finish talking about these i do want to talk about one other movie that's one of my absolute favorites um but jackie do you like home alone or planes trains and automobiles you know, I'm not sure that I've ever seen planes, trains, and automobiles, um, but I've seen Home Alone and Home Alone 2 a ton of times. Um, I've always loved Macaulay Culkin. Um, it's just really classic movie you can watch with anyone in your family, and it's not weird. Um, yeah, I would say I, I would watch those every year. <laughs> and MJ? Um, love both. I have seen Home Alone a ton more than I have seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I've seen that one um, at an older age. Um, that didn't, I think it's Thanksgiving themed, right? So maybe that's why it wasn't a big deal where I grew up because we just don't know Thanksgiving. Um, so I was older when I watched it for the first time, but I just adore John Candy. I think he's such a great actor and um, the just playing off of each other taught the two beats it was just super fun fun to watch and also funny situational comedy when they're trying to escape from this motel with this completely destroyed car it's yeah just just slapstick um that i can enjoy and also a lot of heart again i think that's um even with all the comedy there's always something that like tugs at the heartstring that you relate to and makes you feel nostalgic and want to see your folks and Home Alone has that too. And Home Alone also has something that I didn't realize when I was younger. It's really excellently done with the music. I think it's something that in all of John Youth's movies, music is always used brilliantly to convey emotions and, and joy or sadness, everything. And um, Home Alone is really, really well done. Some of the best music, I think, in in, in a christmas movie that that i know um and and again um good emotions i really love the scene where uh macaulay Culkin's character what's kevin McAllister, right i think that's his name talks to the old man in the church and they're both sitting there and this little kid kind of convinces this old man to reconnect with the son and that's just yeah that makes you feel warm and fuzzy and just good things so um Love it for the nostalgia reasons. I mean, it's an absurd, it's an absurd story storyline that would never happen, but just a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings for me. So 
love that movie and I'll watch it every Christmas season. And Sasha? So it's been quite a while since I've seen planes, trains, and automobiles. It's been a while. So I'll skip that one. But Home Alone, um, just like MJ said, you know, the plot wouldn't happen. Um, Have you ever traveled with small children? Because let me tell you how tempting it is to just skip one. (laughs) We don't No, It's fine. Um, It's like herding cats. So... I do see, you know, like, you're trying to get everybody together. Yes, the odds are you're not going to forget one, but it is like herding cats. And especially if you're just kind of counting heads and there's an extra head that then walks away, you're not paying attention. So just for any parents that are listening, should you accidentally forget a child? I I feel you. I gotcha. It's okay. I understand where you're coming from. Um I do want to throw out for Home Alone, though, on Netflix right now, they have the movies that made us, and it does background on different movies, and uh, Home Alone is one of the ones that's on there. And they talk about different scenes and how they did things for that movie. So it's kind of a cool behind the scenes and seeing kind of the story of it is very cool. Okay, so I have a confession here, and my panelists are all going to be in shock. I have never seen Home Alone. I have seen clips of Home Alone. I have seen scenes of Home Alone. So I know the gist of Home Alone. And I also love Catherine O'Hara. So the fact that I haven't seen Home Alone, I, I love it. They're doing the whole the whole face in the mirror thing, slapping their heads. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's shocked. I knew that would shock everybody. I know. I know. I know. I can't I can't tell you why. I just have not seen them. And I know I need to see them. And I will at some point. Um, and planes, trains, and automobiles, think, same thing. I haven't seen it in years. And I've only only watched it once, I believe. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah. I know. I know. I need to correct that. I know what it's about. I have a gist. I know quotes. I know the characters. But I just haven't watched the whole thing. Um, and I just want to throw this out here, Jackie, since you love Macaulay Culkin. There's a movie, totally, totally different character, called Party Monster. Have you ever heard of this movie? It's a really indie movie. Um, just look it up <laughs> and see what that's about. He plays a very, very different character than in Home Alone. Of course, he's not the cute, cute little kid um, <laughs> in that movie at all. Um, but yeah, I know, I know, I know. I was like, I'm not going to tell him until it comes to me that I haven't watched them. <laughs> And I guess I should have before this, but I kind of wanted it to be part of it where it was like this big shocker. (laughs) Well, it's on Amazon Prime, so you have something to do for this week. (laughs) I know, I know. And I do have Amazon Prime, so hey, who knows? Maybe that'll be what I'll be happy about next week. Not on our next episode, but next week. (laughs) Um, But I do want to talk about another movie because I love this movie so much um, she's having a baby. I don't know if anybody else on the panel has seen she's having a baby. If you have, just raise your hand. Otherwise, I'll just talk about it. Okay, so Sasha has. Jackie, MJ, no? No, okay. I've okay, seen so it, Erin, but I have nothing to add to it. Is it, is it, a, a, is it with, with uh, Bacon? Yes, Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I barely remember, so. Sorry. And it's it's sort of... Um, it's, I think the, 
I don't know of any of his other movies he's done this, but it's one of the only movies of John Hughes where he actually put himself into the movie and the character. So Kevin Bacon's character is basically essentially him. And you're watching him have reactions to first getting married, moving out of the city, moving to the suburbs of Chicago, and then his wife getting pregnant and having a baby and all this stuff that comes along with it. And I just love this movie so, so much. It's one of my favorite John Hughes movies. Um, I, I've watched it, I can't even tell you how many times. I love the soundtrack. And I'm glad that MJ mentioned that because I think that is true. Is, is His movies have great soundtracks. Um, he really, they really know how to do that. Um, and I think that adds to why they have such a lasting impact and why they're so special is the music. I think that's part of it too. So I'm glad that that got mentioned. Um, but yeah, and I love, 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 love Kevin Bacon. I know when we talked about horror, we talked about <laughs> the very normal. We talked, Sasha mentioned how there's something about it that you really like him and then you really don't. Um, but I think you'd like him in this. And this movie also featured a very young Alec Baldwin as a real sleazeball. Um, but I just think it's such a sweet movie and it's really, um, I don't know. I just really just adore it. I think I cry every time at the birth scene. Um, I love the way uh, this woman's work by Kate Bush is used in that scene. I think it's beautiful. Um, so I just highly recommend it for Jackie and MJ since you haven't seen it. I think it's really good. Um, when I first saw it, I was young, so I don't know if it'll <laughs> have any issues seeing it as older. Um, but I just wanted to give it a shout out because I think it's really great. And I think it's great at Cap. There's a whole scene in there where, um, you know, he's trying to get out of that city guy mode and they're living in the suburbs and he's going out there trying to mow the lawn and everybody's mowing the lawn. And then they start doing this dance number while mowing the lawn. And this is stuff that he's just picturing in his head because he has a lot of that stuff happening and it is hysterical. So just even just for that scene, I say, watch that movie. Okay, well, we already sort of touched on it a little bit with Easy A, but I just want to talk about the legacy um, of John Hughes. And, you know, I think it's very sad that we lost John Hughes um, at really, I mean, at a young age. So I think we probably would have had a lot more wonderful things from him. But I just want to talk about that and his lasting impact and you know, we've talked about it on Easy A, but I think it's also on other films as well. So, Jackie, what do you think his, his lasting legacy is going to be? Or do or how do you think his impact has sort of shaped teen movies? Um, I definitely um, think he paved the way for a lot of films to come. Um, I'm honestly really sad that there's not like as many of those kind of movies well like there are but you kind of have to like really like search them out um which i'll probably say the same thing next week with romantic comedies like <laughs> they, they're just not as good anymore um <laughs> yeah and i agree about the um teen movies i think they kind of came back for a little bit in the late 90s oh, and yeah. then they died down again and yeah yeah and then mj i think it's such a um 
Yeah, such a kind of testament to the cultural impact that those movies made that you still see them referenced. I mean, Easy A was a good example. Um, Pitch Perfect is another. I mean, the Breakfast Club ending is kind of the whole like finale of that movie. So people just recognize it and they connect to it and they automatically have a reference um, when they hear music or when they get little quotes from the movies. So I think it's um, it's a testament to to the impact it's made, not just on other artists, but also culture itself. People know the quotes. Um, not everybody has watched Home Alone or um, Christmas Vacation, but almost everyone everyone if you if you say something like oh yeah we should home alone the situation or something like that it, it's people know they associate something with those movies with the stories and the characters so i think that's a huge testament the mu the music always brings you to those moments and um yeah a lot of those great songs from the 80s and 90s you just wouldn't um, know if you wouldn't have seen the movie so pretty um pretty hard pretty big legacy i would say um that he left behind and we were deprived of a lot more i guess if um if he would have stayed in the world a little longer yeah, yeah. and sasha so i'm gonna make a hard left on you and i'm gonna hope you're gonna follow me on my hard left but for the legacy i would argue that um in a bunch of things that could be more horror we still see that teen thing, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, Buffy, and I think John Hughes movies get referenced in Buffy a couple of times. Um, and I know, Aaron, you'll like The Babysitter and Killer Queen. <laughs> um, you know, those, I, I think that, that those all have a very Hughes flavor to them. They're not, you know, that typical teen drama kind of thing, but they have the same feel and the same vibe. It's that, for me, the John Hughes teen movies were about the cliques and the group. Like, you have to have that group dynamic. And so I think Buffy is like that. Because it's like Scooby-Doo, right? It's the They're the Scooby gang, but they've got their mix. And then the babysitter, I'll let you rant. Sorry, I did not mean to step on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I thought it was funny. I was like, no one's going to say this. <laughs> I made a hard left and you followed me. I love that movie, but what was the reference? I probably missed it because, again, different culture, but... You mean the babysitter? Yeah, what was what was in the movies that was directly John you or... I think the, it's more the characters. The it wasn't character. like it was any reference to me. It's more the characters. I think the main character in those movies, the main guy in those, the young guy, is very much a John Hughes character. Yeah. I think that's a character you would find in any John Hughes movie. Um, oh, I, I think, can totally see that now. I yeah, didn't I, make the connection, but you're so right. <laughs> but if yeah. you're going to talk legacy, it's like how it impacted future film storytelling totally. and I think that he impacted it that way there's nothing I mean easy a is the closest like replica yeah. of it I'm using air quotes very loosely around replica or the <laughs> podcast people who can't see me big <laughs> giant loose air quotes but um 
it's just that in you can feel the influence totally. in those other things. And I did not mean to step on Aaron. I no, I thought it was awesome actually because I was like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one. Um, and I think that's why I love those movies because, and also the music, the music in the Babysitter and the music in the sequel, Killer Queen, which I think the sequel is actually better than the first one. Um, I think, yeah, I think even the music is very much a callback to that. Um, I think even the love interest in the second one, who she's just, she's so adorable. She, I think she's very much a John Hughes character too. So I think that's how he influenced is how you write teenagers. I think people wrote, started writing teenagers a lot smarter. Usually for the most part, that's not always true. But I think that because of him, people kind of took that on and went, oh, okay, we can make teenagers, you know, smart. We can make them um, feel more real and um, give them more of depth. And so I think that's a big lasting legacy of his. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I think actually where you find teen movies is in horror. That's where you find teen movies now isn't the horror genre. You just do. Um, I think that's kind of what took over with it, especially, I think it probably, I mean, you always had it with nightmare on Elm street and, Friday 13th and that stuff. But I think where it really kind of turned was especially with the Scream franchise um, and then so forth and so on. And I think that's where you see those as you'll see them like, you know, most um, a lot of horror movies that are turned out now, um, especially under like Blumhouse and stuff, if they're teen related, are very much um, they kind of have the same kind of hierarchy within them and they're not all good but there are stuff like i don't know if um everybody's seen happy death day yeah love it oh my god those are the oh sasha you have to see those movies watch it both of them are great yes yeah yeah the sequel's great too and and i think even in those you've got some john hughes influence in those too yeah jackie um i just wanted to say i mean you guys are into horror so probably seen it but did you guys watch the movie um the final girls yes yes okay. excellent I, I think everyone here probably would like it so i just wanted to throw that out there that's a good movie thank you yeah and i think that fits in with the john hughes thing too yeah yeah, yeah totally so i think that's interesting and i'm glad that i wasn't the only one who who brought that up honestly sasha i'm glad that you brought it up too because i do think that's that's where a lot of these characters went is to horror (laughs) and yeah totally with Buffy yeah completely I mean Buffy would have been Buffy would have been played by Molly Ringwald if it was a John Hughes movie (laughs) that would be interesting to see I would have liked to have seen that honestly (laughs) yeah 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 or Sarah Michelle Gellar would have been the muse to John Hughes kind of thing too I could see that too yeah, yeah it's, like the next, it's the next evolution, mm-hmm. right? It's passing it on to the next generation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, one one that I am thinking of actually is um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, or To All the Boys I... Isn't that what it is? To All the Boys I've... Yeah, okay. And then there's also P.S. I Still Love You is the sequel. And I know they're making a third one. Yeah. Right? Right, Jackie? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's also a book series. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think those are very much in the same kind of realm of John Hughes movies, too. 
Um, and that one has a little bit more representation too. If you haven't seen those, those are on Netflix. So, yeah. Okay, well, I think this is a good place to wrap up. I think this has been a really, really good episode. Honestly, I've had a lot of fun talking about John Hughes, and now that's all I want to watch. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to go around, and everybody can say where they can be found if you want to be found. Jackie? Um, you can find me at, at Jackie Dominique on Twitter. Um, but it's going to be a lot of Taylor Swift tweets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there are people out there that like Taylor Swift <laughs> that listen to them. Um, MJ? Um, yeah, I'm just going to plug my Instagram. That's kind of the only thing that I publicly share a lot on, and that's at another galaxy far, far away. Awesome. That's Thank a weird you. Star Wars content, so... <laughs> <laughs> And Sasha? Yep, I'm also on the Instagram, and it's uh, at Vegan Geek Chick. I almost forgot my name. Good Lord. <laughs> vegan Geek Chick. Um, and Aaron, I just want to give a plug for a amazing short film on Netflix called Canvas, um, since we've been talking about representation. Uh, it is a nine-minute, it is animated, um, but it's called Canvas, and it is beautiful. Like, storytelling is beautiful. So I just want to throw that out there for people. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll have to look that up. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, if you have any John Hughes movies that you wish we would have mentioned or any shout outs you want to give, feel free to email us at It's a Fandom Thing Pod at gmail.com. And on our next episode, Jackie will be returning along with Carla, Meg, and Tiffany. It's going to be like, I know Tiffany wasn't on that episode, but it's still going to be like a Mindy Project reunion. So I'm excited. And we're going to be talking about romantic comedies. So that should be a lot of fun. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing and Black Lives Matter. Love collecting things? Time to add Goat Guns Miniature Models. These gun models are one-third to scale and one-tenth the cost of the real thing. These little bad boys are 4 to 11 inches in length and weigh up to one full pound. Build, collect, and customize your Goat Guns collection with attachments. Build your dream collection at GoatGuns.com. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.